For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence, on infiltration instead of invasion, on subversion instead of elections, on intimidation instead of free choice, on guerrillas by night instead of armies by day. It is a system which has conscripted vast human and material resources into the building of a tightly knit, highly efficient machine that combines military, diplomatic, intelligence, economic, scientific, and political operations. Its preparations are concealed, not published. Its mistakes are buried, not headlined. Its dissenters are silenced, not praised. Gentlemen, welcome to a brand new edition of Over the Line Friday edition, if you will, August 7th, 2020. Yes, another show. Another one. So glad you guys could join us. You know the drill on social media. If you haven't added us, Over the Line on Facebook. At Andrew McLean, who on Twitter and Parlor, and then um, I think that's it. Over the line on YouTube, YouTube.com/slash Over the Line. You'll have to do that to find it. Apparently, that's what I've been told. Uh, if you are watching the live video at this very moment, welcome. Feel free to say derogatory things about me in the chat. We welcome those. Or uh, just say hi. If you're not very creative, that's okay, too. Um, I'm going to be honest. I wasn't really ready to do the show because there's not really much going on. I've been kind of paying attention to the news cycle today. And and nothing's, nothing's really happening, honestly. I mean, the biggest thing uh, is... One, what we talked about yesterday, and Joe Biden backtracking on his really racially insensitive comments, uh, never really apologized for those, by the way, just kind of wrote it out. But one thing y'all got to understand is Joe Biden's got a history of that. He's He's been doing that for a long time. It's, it's nothing new. The only thing that's different is the, 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 the day and age. That's the only thing that's different. Every, every, everything relies on somebody's feelings and sensitivities that used to not be the case and joe biden would get away with these things nobody would think anything of it in 2020 it's a completely different story and that's why 
Uh, there's there's such a big deal about it. You remember he's taking shots at Indians. He's taking shots at and um, uh, remember when Obama was elected, he's like a, a clean, articulate black man. Can you believe it? You know, just really, really racist stuff like that. But now he can't get a pass. And part of that, in my opinion, is Republicans trying to beat Democrats at their own game. Because Republicans never signed up for this social justice, uh, you know, all in your feelings, feelings above, you know, laws type of mentality. But they're like, hey, if, if you want to play that game, let's go. We're going to point out every time you guys do it, and here we are. That's what happens. The other big thing in D.C. right now is the next coronavirus stimulus bill. I know a lot of you guys are, are watching that as they're talking about passing out more checks and extending unemployment benefits. That is something that uh, Democrats seem to have no interest in pursuing whatsoever. Uh, remember, unemployment benefits, at least you know the federal uh, bonus, if you will, $600 on top of whatever your state pays you for unemployment. Uh, that ended on July 25th, if I'm not mistaken, the end of July or whatever. Um, so you're looking at a week or two since it's been done and lawmakers have been trying to hammer out a deal. And here's what's going on. Democrats are getting in the room with Republicans. Republicans are really giving in on a lot of stuff they don't want to give in on, and then the Democrats are like, here, we'll give you a little bit of this. And it, it's nothing compared to what, what Republicans are giving up. So they're like, dude, if y'all aren't going to negotiate, what's the point in doing this if you guys aren't giving up anything? And Nancy Pelosi comes out in a press conference today, and she's like, well, we just told Republicans that um, if if they don't, if, if, if they don't, uh, if they will... If we give up, I'm sorry, I'm trying to get it together. If we give up a trillion dollars on this bill, because they want like another three trillion dollars in this bill, which is absolutely ridiculous. If we, we'll give up a trillion dollars if Republicans will add a trillion dollars to the bill. And it's like, wait, what? what? That doesn't make any sense, right? I mean, you're like, okay, fine, we'll take out a trillion of ours. You just got to add another trillion. But it's the same thing. You still come out at the same number, $3 trillion or whatever. Let me see if I can find Nancy Pelosi actually saying that. Uh, let's see. Uh, COVID relief, Nancy Pelosi. Surely there's a video of mm, Nancy Pelosi. Nancy. I spelled it wrong. I'm sure she would spell that wrong too. Nancy Pelosi. Uh, COVID relief, where is she at? Man, I'll tell you though, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of good Nancy Pelosi videos out here. I don't think I'm going to find it. I, I didn't, I didn't plan on, I didn't plan on playing this for you. I'm just trying to see if I can find it real quick. Let's see, relief bill. Da, 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 da. Um, no, I, I don't, I don't have it. No, wait. Maybe I do. Or maybe I don't. Never mind. <laughs> I thought I did. I think, I think this is from uh, something else. Yeah, I, I I don't have it. I don't have it on... I was, I was trying to see if I could find it on Twitter. Quick video so I could play the audio, but... 
to no avail. But that's the gist of what she said. That's that's what she's looking to do, and it makes no sense whatsoever. I don't know why anybody would think, oh yeah, that's a great idea. Let's uh, it, it, as long as you'll drop a, a trillion off the bill, we'll add a trillion to it. Well, then you're back to where Democrats want you to be. That's not how negotiations work. And Nancy Pelosi knows that. Chuck Schumer knows that. They've been doing this for a long time. The thing is, Democrats, especially those two, are so used to getting their way with the Republicans because Republicans up until this point have been weak need. They 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 don't have a backbone. And whether that is the emergence of Trump in the White House or whatever, but they've they've grown some spine all of a sudden. And it's showing, and I know I personally appreciate them doing it, because when it comes to spending, don't get me wrong, Republicans aren't necessarily fiscally responsible. But they have stood up to Democrats when Democrats just want to literally uh, send our, 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 our grandkids' future down the river financially by, you know, spending all this money that we don't have. And causing inflation to be a, a, a big danger to, to us in the future and then future generations. Now, Mark Meadows and Steve Mnuchin, who are also in, they're part of the president's cabinet, obviously. Mark Meadows being chief of staff, Stephen Mnuchin is the treasury secretary. They're heading all this. They're kind of the representatives of the White House, so they're involved in these negotiations as well. Well, they came out this afternoon after they decided, hey, these negotiations are going nowhere, so we're going to go ahead and get up out of here for the weekend. And here is what they said when greeted by the media after leaving uh, the negotiating table, if you will. Back and negotiate in good faith, but at this point, I, I'm extremely disappointed that we came up here today just to hear the same thing repeated over and over again which is the same thing that we've heard repeated for the last two weeks. So, no, thank you. so uh, uh, the chief and I will recommend to the president, based upon uh, our lack of activity today, to move forward with some executive orders. I, I, again, we agree with the speaker. This is not the first choice. But people have run out of the enhanced unemployment, so that is something we will recommend an executive order on. Uh, and it relates to rental foreclosure. Now, now, this is something important to pay attention to, because I, and I tried to do some studying on this before starting the show. Um, I wasn't aware of any executive powers the president had in spending. But in this unprecedented situation, apparently there's something there where the president can sign an executive order and keep these unemployment benefits going. The reason I find that so important is on a political aspect, the president will then be able to say, if he can legally do this, he will be able to say, y'all saw what happened. The Republicans offered the Democrats a one-week, a two-week extension on the unemployment benefits so nobody had to get cut off and, and, and get put out of, of getting any sort of money. They offered it, and Democrats refused it. They would have rather the American people who are still not working get nothing than to just sign a standalone bill that said nothing other than just expand, just, just extend the unemployment benefits for another one to two weeks. And that was it. It wasn't like Republicans were, were trying to uh, uh, put a bill up for the extension of those unemployment benefits plus funding for the NRA and, and uh, defunding Planned Parenthood or something like that. It, that's all that was in the bill. Martha McSally is the one that put it out there, and Democrats are like, nah, we're good. 
we don't want the American people to get anything. We, we want to do this all at one time. Don't, don't give them a little extension until we get this figured out. He'll say that, and then he'll go back and say, and then they still refuse to cut a deal with us, and I had to sign an executive order to make sure you, the American people, got your money. That is a political win for the president, and Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer both should Closers, know better. We will recommend an uh, a executive order on that and also student loans. So it's going to take a little bit of time for us to finalize these. Talking about rent, uh, I, I don't know if that goes for mortgage payments or what, but housing and student loan payments, putting a hold on that with executive order because the Democrats refuse to do absolutely anything. And process them, but we'll do them as quickly as we can because the president wants action. He, he realizes, again, despite what was a big pickup in jobs, there's still too many people that are impacted by this. Is there any way you could go on? They, they, said, they said come back to, if you are willing to talk about a $2 trillion, roughly $2 trillion. They, they didn't say that. I watched it. They, 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 they said come back with a different offer. They're not at $2 trillion. And, and she's uh, talking about it. You guys coming up with trillion. Well, let me just say said, there, there are. Do do let, 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 you would be willing at any point to Again, what I would say is, here's the media sticking up for Nancy Pelosi. They're like, well, I don't know. She said this and that, and they're they're trying to find a way, any way possible, to make it seem like Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer were actually negotiating. Which is absolutely not the case. There's both a top-line issue, but there are also policy issues. I think, uh, again, let me just emphasize, I think there are areas where there is broad bipartisan agreement. It doesn't mean that we've finished all those areas, but uh, whether it's the PPP, whether it's other areas, uh, again, on the school issue, we have a broad understanding of what we want to accomplish. We're still going back and forth on some numbers, and we're going to be fact-based. As I said, we're reaching out to states to make sure we have good numbers. But uh, at this point, we're going to recommend to the president that over the weekend we move forward with some executive would the actions. Would number be 600, or what would it be? What can people expect to uh, it, it, Again, I think, as you know, we've made a compromise offer on UI as part of the legislation. I think it's a very fair proposal that covers uh, the issues. And, and again, we're, we have been willing to compromise on UI. We've been willing to compromise on state and local. We understand there are, there are workers in state and local governments. There's firefighters, there's police, there's first responders, there's people who are in hospitals that have been working round the clock. They've gone as far as proposing to give people money to go back to work. Extra money on top of what they're already going to make. Republicans are working with these guys and Democrats want absolutely nothing to do with it. Every single American needs to remember that coming up in this November. The fact that they're struggling right now for whatever reason. Oh, I mean, I say whatever reason. Obviously, because of the coronavirus. But for those people that are struggling, they need to remember this moment when they go to the polls in November. That's a political win, in my opinion. Also... You add that with the job numbers that came out today. They weren't as good as everyone thought they would be. Almost 2 million jobs added. But the biggest point, and the media will refuse to talk about this, because it coincides with Joe Biden's racist comments, that black unemployment rose faster last month than white employment, and the gap between black and white unemployment 
is the smallest it's ever been in history. Wind unemployment has always been ahead since we've been keeping up with it. It's always been ahead of black unemployment. And since this president took office, that gap has gotten smaller and smaller and smaller. It's hit numerous records on that gap closing. And at this point, in the middle of a, a freaking pandemic, the president has made the right decisions to close that gap at its smallest ever. With black unemployment rising faster than white, uh, black employment rising faster than white employment. Disregard all the other things I said. <laughs> I think I said it wrong. The employment, the, the amount of people that have jobs. Black people rose faster than white people. The gap is closing. That's huge. That's huge. Because the ultimate goal would obviously be for that number to be even at all times. This president has gone above and beyond to make sure and close that gap. So you take that. That needs to be hammered as well. Both of those issues need to be hammered. But this one in particular... Because of what Joe Biden's out there running his mouth about. About how black people, they all think the same. They all have the same views. And why wouldn't he say that? Because it goes back to the you ain't black comment. If you have trouble deciding who to vote for between me and Trump, then you ain't black. When he said that, he meant it. There's no walking it back. You, you he, he basically repeated the exact same thing he just he said the exact same thing he just used different terminology he used different words it was you ain't black 2.0 that's what joe biden did and while he's doing that donald trump's closing the gap in uh black and white employment huge yo ja. Uh, President, just now tweeting out, I understand this is a podcast, so you may be listening to this at a different time, but anytime the president tweets, I gotta look at it, and I gotta read it, and I gotta, you know, you never know what's gonna come out of there. He said he's gonna be doing a news conference on the China virus. You know, <laughs> can I say this? There was one point where the the president came out calling it the China virus right off the top, and he's like, that's this is what we're gonna call it. Came from China, it's China's fault, it's the China virus. That's insensitive. It's putting Asian Americans in danger. They're being attacked in the streets because you're calling it the China virus. Which, there's no no proof that that ever happened to any Asian American. But, I digress. He backed off of it a little bit. Because, I don't necessarily think it was because of the heat that he was getting for calling it the China virus. I just think there was so much going on. He thought... Well, what's why why are we worried about this right now? Let's just move on. I'll call it coronavirus. Well, now that we've got kind of a handle on this thing, he's back to calling it the China virus, and I support that 100%. I even changed my name on Fortnite to China virus just for that very reason. But he said I'll be doing a news conference on the China virus, the just announced very good economic numbers and the improving economy at 7 p.m. from Bedminster, New Jersey. That'll be 6 p.m. Central Time. If you're listening to this live, that'll be uh, just 20 minutes. He said, also, the subject of the Beirut-Lebanon catastrophe will be discussed. That's another one. You heard us talk about that earlier in the week. That uh, is very interesting because 
now the people of Beirut are protesting in the streets against their government. And I, I don't have a lot of answers for you on that front as far as exactly what's going on. But they're angry and they feel like that, at the very least, that their government was careless and not only killed a lot of people, but put a lot of people in danger. I mean, it was... If you've seen any footage lately of the Beirut Bay, then you understand how bad that was. It was... I mean, just the video, the initial video we got, it was it didn't even look real. It looked like it was out of a friggin' movie. And uh, it, was, it was fascinating to watch, but nothing but death and destruction afterwards... Absolutely awful there in Lebanon. So we'll be interested to see what he says on that front. Um, whether or not we do a podcast tomorrow, a Saturday podcast, we've gotten to squeeze in one where uh, uh, Trish and I, we, we're, we're breaking down what topic we're going to do. We may do that tomorrow, but we are going to do that in the next few days. So y'all make sure and keep an eye out for that because we can't... Uh, we can't let that slide. It's just a matter it's a scheduling thing, and that's the only reason we haven't done it yet. We were going to do it last week, but sometimes things just uh, just don't line up. All right, let me look across the headlines again, see what else we got. Make sure we don't miss anything for today. Uh, Media trying to freak out the, uh, the, the U.S. population as they talk about 2,000 COVID deaths in 24 hours for the first time in three months. Now, that headline is constructed... To freak you out and tell you that it's getting worse, not better. Headlines are everything. Because there's so many people that see headlines and don't read the story. Okay? And there is... I don't know what the solution to that is. But it's very important that we make an effort to take some sort of action and convince average people of this country to not just not trust the media, but when seeing a headline... Reading the story, and not even investigating it yourself or researching it, at least read the story before drawing a conclusion from a headline. Because a headline is going to be misleading 98% of the time. Guaranteed. 98% of the time a headline is going to be misleading. But this is from Yahoo News. The U.S. records more than 2,000 deaths in 24 hours for the first time in three months. That'll make you say... Oh my lord, it's getting really bad. It's bad, it's worse than it's ever been. Not true, not true. It's actually getting better. Not to mention the fact that one, out of the 2,000 deaths that happened in 24 hours, there's probably only 40 to 50% of them that were directly related or directly caused by coronavirus. Let's be honest. Two, the other reason not to be freaked out is... There's a cure for coronavirus. That's right. I said it. And if Facebook or or YouTube or anybody hears me saying this, they'll take this podcast down. But yes, there is an acceptable and effective treatment for coronavirus that your government, really your deep state government, does not want you to have, as well as Big Pharma, because there is billions and billions and billions and billions and billions of dollars waiting on them to produce a vaccine to then pass out to the American public. Now, that's why hydroxychloroquine is such a danger. Y'all know this. I've talked about this time and time and time again. Um, But it's all about the money. It's about money and it's about power. 
But it's going to be interesting to see what the landscape looks like when we do have a vaccine. Because as we've moved throughout the years, I, I gotta say over the past five to ten years, the anti-vax people have only grown in numbers, okay? And I'm not talking about average people that are just skeptical at this point. I'm talking about people that were anti-vax before coronavirus. Uh, there's a lot of them out there that refuse to do vaccinations because they just don't want to take the chance that there's a, a, a bad reaction with their child or themselves or whatever. They just don't want to do it. Now you mix the anti-vaxxers who are most certainly not going to get a coronavirus vaccine with the people like myself and probably you that in no way, shape, or form want anything to do with their coronavirus vaccine that they're about to come out with because we don't trust anything you've said thus far. So why in the world would we trust you to inject us with uh, a coronavirus vaccine that you made? Huh? Why, why would we... Do you won't even let us use what we know works. So why would we allow you to inject in our veins some cocktail that you've come up with? It's going to be an interesting look when we get to that point to see how many Americans are willing to do it. And they've got polls out, this, that, and the other, about, oh, this many Americans say they'll take the vaccine. But don't believe any of that. Don't believe, don't believe any of these polls. All polls are caca. Take that with you, stick it in your wallet, it's caca. All of them. Not just presidential polls. Presidential polls are extra caca, but most of these polls that are done by media outlets and, and research centers, and you, you just can't, you can't believe any of them anymore. They used to be an effective way to get the pulse of, of society to see where people stand on a particular issue or a particular candidate. That's not the case anymore. It's just not. I don't know why they still exist. They get plenty of funding. That must be why. But um, especially when it comes to politics, you look at the, the current race right now. They've had Joe Biden ahead nationwide by 9 to 10%. This entire time. Since he's been... Since it's been clear that Joe Biden is a guy, he's been up 9-10%. I think he's slipped down to 6 or 7% because he's been a little racist lately. But if you look at other polls, there was one particular poll I saw earlier in the week that specifically polled Republicans and asked them how, how, um, how likely they were to proclaim their support for Donald Trump or proclaim that they're even a conservative or a Republican. 70 plus percent said they prefer not to tell anybody that they're conservative, Republican, or a Trump supporter. That they will likely just keep their mouth shut than saying they support this president and then just on election day where nobody can see who they're voting for, that's when they check the box. 70%. That's a huge number. So if you take that and you say 70% of the Republicans, well, that means when the pollsters are calling them, they're not going to tell them they're voting for Trump. So what does that do to their national polls that they're scrolling across every news outlet's TV screen saying Joe Biden's winning by 10 points when 70% of the Republicans are saying, no, no, not me, I'm not supporting Trump. No, I'm not a Republican. I have a feeling that we are going to see 
one of the biggest blowouts of any election in the history of this country, most certainly with presidential elections. And it's going to be with the most controversial candidate that we've ever had, Donald John Trump. It's going to be a blowout, the likes we've never seen, and Donald Trump's going to be the guy to kick that off. It's amazing to think about. There's a lot of stuff that's, especially political stuff that's been buried because of all this coronavirus nonsense. It's really a shame because, especially people like myself, we were real. I really nerd out on election season. It's it's been covered up a lot by the strife in society right now, and I hate that. I hate that, and I'm really hoping that the closer we get to election day, the more we will see. Uh, more attention placed on the election itself. As long as Joe Biden keeps saying the things he's saying right now, I, I believe that will come true. But uh, I hope we don't waste a perfectly good election season over a virus that we have a cure for. That's all I'm saying. That's it for me today, your... August 7th, 2020 edition of Over the Line. Thank y'all so much for listening to this show each and every time we put out a new one. The support has been tremendous lately. Our listenership is up over 50% over the past two weeks, which is huge. So I appreciate all you guys sharing the show, letting people know about it. Keep that up. That helps us out and it helps us to continue to pump out these episodes remember facebook over the line twitter and parlor at andrew mcclain who and youtube.com slash over the line make sure you go to that youtube channel subscribe and that will help us out as well be on the lookout for trish and i in our conspiracy podcast we will be putting that out very soon you do not want to miss that and we're going to make that a regular Y'all have a fantastic rest of your day and a good weekend. And until next time, see you, Cole.